Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What the Heck is Crypto? You may notice that Adam Ray is not reading out this intro, and it's, it's a little less funny than usual, and that's, that's unfortunate, but, but Adam couldn't be with us today. Uh, don't worry, he'll be back next week, and until then, you are left with me, Stephen, reading you the news by myself in my mildly monotone voice, but not to worry, I'm, I'm sure we'll still learn a lot about the wonderful world of crypto together, uh, learn what's happening out there. So without further ado, let's, let's dive right into some of the headlines. Um, first thing I want to bring to your attention is that the Ethereum merge date has finally been scheduled. We've been talking about the merge quite a bit on this program. Uh, it's no secret that I'm a very big Ethereum bull, my, my largest position by, by far. The merge is the transfer of Ethereum from a proof-of-work network into a proof-of-stake consensus mechanism. And along with that change, we're going to see a massive change in tokenomics. We're going to see uh, dramatically less issuance of ETH, uh, less inflation on a year, uh, yearly basis, right? So less ETH being issued and sold off into the market every day should mean number go up in the long run. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, this has been something that's been floated since almost the, the, the year of Ethereum's creation. Uh, it, it, it's certainly been something that's been delayed as, as far back as I can remember, uh, two, 2017, 2018, uh, constantly delayed. So it's great to see it going through. Uh, very much look forward to that happening. Um, the likely dates, probably September 15th, 16th, Maybe as late as the 20th, depending on when that, that block actually gets produced. Uh, on a related story, miner Chandler Guo has been repeating his support for a post-merge Ethereum fork. Coindesk reported on this story last week. Uh, Chandler is a very well-known Ethereum miner. He was pivotal in the original Ethereum fork that created Ethereum Classic, which still trades to this day and, and, and has a multi-billion dollar uh, market cap. Uh, he told Coindesk TV last Friday that he was organizing other miners to back his efforts as a way to save them from having to shut down their business. And I, I think what he means by this is that when Ethereum is going from proof of work to proof of stake, that means we don't need miners anymore. Uh, proof of stake is a, is a totally different consensus mechanism where uh, validators on the network put Ethereum up uh, as a sort of bond uh, to, to, to vouch to the network that they're not going to do anything nefarious. And if they do, that's, that stake gets slashed. Whereas proof of work is sort of secured by miners burning all of this electricity um, under the idea that you're not going to be undergoing all of this expense to attack the network. So we have all of these miners out there who've invested so much money in all this CapEx, right? All of these graphics cards, they've been mining Ethereum for years. And there's a tremendous desire for all of that equipment to not go to waste. So I think it's extraordinarily likely at this point that we do see a fork. And potentially, potentially two forks, depending on what happens. So what do I mean when I say that? So right now, the Ethereum proof of stake chain, uh, the beacon chain, uh, 
it it already exists. It doesn't come into existence magically when the merge happens, right? We we call it the merge because we we currently have the existing Ethereum chain, the the proof of work chain that you all know and love, running alongside the Beacon proof of stake chain, and. At the merge block, what we're basically going to do is sort of smush these two chains together into one. And from that block forward, they're just one chain, only the proof of stake chain. And if, if we did nothing else, proof of work Ethereum would sort of, sort of die off and, and go by the wayside. But in crypto, you have this funny thing where you can have these, these things called forks, right? And we had this in Bitcoin, most famously in 2017. Uh, with the creation of Bitcoin Cash, there was a disagreement in the Bitcoin community about how to scale Bitcoin. Uh, one particular group wanted to scale Bitcoin by making the blocks bigger, which would make for cheaper transactions for people. More, more people would be able to use Bitcoin as digital money, uh, the thesis went. But the rest of the Bitcoin community said, no, we can't do this. We can't make the block size bigger even if it makes Bitcoin easier and cheaper to use, because it's going to lead to centralization. A larger block size requires more hardware in order to, to run a node. And this effect might compound over time to the point where people wouldn't be able to run their own Bitcoin nodes easily in the, in the privacy of their home. And, and this might be a security risk to the Bitcoin network. So back in the day when this happened, if you had your Bitcoin just sitting in a Bitcoin wallet, off an exchange, and even on most exchanges eventually, uh, when, when the fork happened, effectively the Bitcoin chain split into two. It was exactly the same up until the point where Bitcoin Cash came in, into existence. And then we had like two chains all of a sudden. We had Bitcoin Cash and, and Bitcoin. And everybody who had Bitcoin, say you had 100 Bitcoins, when the fork happened, you now had 100 Bitcoin Cash. And the history of the blockchain prior to the fork is the same, but then moving forward, you now had two different chains. Uh, this is many people's like first experience with this, uh, this idea of like getting free money in crypto. And it, and it was sort of free money. I think at one point, uh, Bitcoin Cash was trading at a significant chunk of the value of a Bitcoin. I, I, I think maybe as much as half the value of a Bitcoin, you have to fact check me on this. But, but when Bitcoin was trading at, you know, seven, $8,000 back in the day, that meant, that meant for every Bitcoin you had, you got this $4,000 Bitcoin cash. And that was, that was pretty cool. Now, I, I didn't believe in Bitcoin cash back in the day, so I sold all of mine and that ended up being a great decision because Bitcoin cash has gone basically down only since then and, and, and Bitcoin has gone to the moon. But we're setting ourselves up to have like a similar thing happen here in, in Ethereum. There's, there's just a tremendous economic incentive for these Ethereum miners to split the chain off and keep an Ethereum chain that requires mining, that requires proof of work. And I don't think Chandler is doing this out of the goodness of his heart, you know, to help the miners from shutting down their business. I think he's doing it because he can make a, a, a crap ton of money by doing it, right? So what does this mean for you as an investor? Well, if you keep your coins on an exchange, say Coinbase. What you need to make sure is that your exchange is going to support this new proof of work fork. I, I've, I've seen futures for the proof of work coin trading, and it, it, it looks like 
they're predicting the coin's going to have about 5% the value of, of, a, of Ethereum. So if you have a one ETH, say, and say ETH is $2,000 at the merge, for every one ETH you have, when that fork happens, you will also get one proof of work ETH. And if ETH is worth 2000 that proof of work ETH might be worth 100 bucks. So it's going to be a pretty big deal. I mean, it's sort of like an instant 5% dividend for you as a user to, to, to get this, this Ethereum. But like I said, you have to make sure that your exchange is going to support the fork. Coin, if you keep your coins on Coinbase, for example, um, Coinbase could easily say, you know what? We don't really believe in this fork. We're not going to support it. And then behind the scenes, Coinbase basically keeps all of the forked ETH that you otherwise would have gotten and keeps it for themselves and you get nothing. Now, if you're not sure that your exchange is going to support the fork and you're a little bit crypto savvy, what you can do is you can take your Ethereum off an exchange and just park it on chain in, 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 in any Ethereum wallet. You send it from your exchange to an Ethereum wallet address that you own. And now it's just, it's just there on the blockchain as opposed to sitting in Coinbase's database, which is kind of what's happening when you have money on Coinbase, right? So any ETH that you have in an Ethereum wallet at the time of the merge is going to basically multiply into two kinds of ETH. So if you have 100 ETH, after the merge, you're going to have 100 proof of stake ETH and 100 proof of work ETH. And I personally will be selling all of my airdropped, forked proof of work ETH because I don't really believe that this chain is going to be worth anything uh, in the long run. And I'm, I'm happy to take my free 5% and, and ride off into the sunset. I think to do that, you're going to have to find an exchange I, uh, that, that supports the fork, uh, not, not just gives you the forked coins, but also has like a market for it. And I, I, I think... Poloniex and, and Gate.io are currently supporting it. I imagine some more reputable exchanges will probably capitulate and support that fork as we get closer to the merge date. Uh, Poloniex and Gate aren't really known for being like the most tier one of exchanges. So I would probably uh, be sitting on my hands if, if, I were, uh, if I were an ETH holder till you know, a week or so before the merge, see who's going to actually support the fork. Um, and then make plans to, to, uh, to get my free ETH and to, to sell it because who doesn't like free money, right? Now, if you're a super savvy user, right, you may have already staked your ETH. You may have a Lido staked ETH, like ST ETH, something like that on chain. Really important to understand that you are not going to get the Ethereum airdrop if you have Lido staked ETH or some other staking derivative. You're only going to get that airdrop if you have actual just regular ETH on chain there. Um, but you can do some things to get around this. If you understand how to use blockchain, right? You can use a, use a lending protocol like a Aave, right? So what you can do is you can deposit your ST ETH in Aave. You can borrow regular ETH. And then when the fork happens and these chains split, now you will once again have the forked ETH on the proof of work chain, and you will still have your staked ETH on the, uh, on the, uh, the, the merge chain, the new, the new proof of, proof of stake chain. Um, 
a lot of interesting plays people are using really to 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 exploit this airdrop and to to try to capitalize off of it. I would uh, highly recommend searching some interviews with uh, Galois Capital, G A L O Y S, if you're interested in like learning more about this from uh, like an expert fund that's kind of kind of playing this trade in a, a variety of ways. It's a maybe a little little too deep for for this podcast, but just a little little something for you guys if you you want to explore that a little bit more. In other news, Shiba Inu, Dogecoin have absolutely gone through the moon in the last couple of weeks. Uh, risk on behavior returning to the crypto markets. Uh, Shiba has been up as much as 30%. Doge gained 15% the other day. So we're back into full risk on mode. I don't know how long it's going to last. And I, I always get a little anxious when I see the, the dog coins start pumping because I, I, I worry that the top may be near. Um, but, but why is this happening? Well, there's been a pretty major catalyst uh, this week because somebody decided to launch Doge Chain, which is basically a rollup built on top of Ethereum that uses wrapped Dogecoin. So you can kind of take your Dogecoin, wrap it, bridge it over to Doge Chain. Uh, I took a look there a little bit, and as best I can tell, it just looks like a, an, an absolute altcoin casino. People are just creating meme coins on there and pumping them and dumping them and selling them. It, it looks like an absolute uh, shit show. Uh, people are losing money left and right. Uh, I would, would not recommend any of you listening go onto Doge Chain and to try to trade any of this garbage unless you are a uh, seasoned, seasoned professional. Uh, otherwise, you will likely get wrecked and lose all your money. I generally don't <laughs> advise people to buy the dog coins anyway because I, I, j- I just think they're kind of scams. There's, there's nothing of real value here. And I, I just dislike the whole meme thing in general because it, it sucks both liquidity and attention from the projects in the space that are, that are doing the real building, that are trying to make a difference in it. It, it moves like all of this wealth. It's just a giant wealth transfer from people who are not particularly savvy in crypto to all these hucksters instead of that wealth going to the builders. I, I think it kind of hurts us in the long run. And I, I really recommend everybody out there, like un- unless you are a pretty seasoned trader, in which case you can feel free to ignore this advice. But if you're a long-term investor, I, I really think, especially these days, you just got to be stacking your Bitcoin, stacking your ETH, going back to work and you know, checking the price in five to 10 years. I, I think you'll be pretty happy. And I would be uh, very surprised if uh, Shiba Inu coin is worth anything at all a decade from now. But you are free to do what you wish with your own money. And who am I to tell you otherwise? Uh, On a related story from last week and a story that ties in heavily with our, our, our final news item of the day later, Tornado Cash developer... Um, well, it looks like his, his name hasn't been named in this particular article uh, here on, on Crypto Potato. But a uh, lead Tornado Cash developer was arrested last week in, in Amsterdam. The Dutch crime agency announced the arrest of a 29-year-old a, uh, developer who 
helped build the cryptocurrency mixer that was just sanctioned last week um, by the U.S. Treasury Department. We talked about this a little bit in our our last episode. Uh, For those of you who didn't listen, Tornado Cash is a protocol built on Ethereum that is designed to sort of erase your trail. One of the problems with blockchain is that anybody can see every transaction that you've ever done, and maybe you don't want this. Maybe you want to send money to somebody. You don't want them to see every single financial transaction you've ever made. You don't want them to see every single uh, stupid NFT you bought that embarrassingly went to zero that you wasted all your money on. There's a lot of reasons why you might want to use a privacy protocol that are completely legitimate and have nothing to do with you being an international war criminal. But in spite of that, the, uh, the Treasury Department banned tra- Tornado Cash, it, it issued sanctions on it, which are severe, severe financial restrictions typically reserved for uh, terrorist organizations and the like. Uh, th- th- this was a, a monumental event because it was the first time the, the, the U.S. government had sanctioned a, a, uh, a, a, well, anything other than a person or an entity. Right, sanctions are usually they go to a country or they'll go to a specific person. But this is this is a sanction of code, and Tornado Cash isn't even code in the sense that, like QuickBooks, the accounting application is code. Right, um, QuickBooks is code, and it's it's stored on Amazon Web Servers, and it's it's controlled by an entity. It's controlled by Intuit, so it could make sense to sanction Intuit if they were producing money laundering software. But 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 Tornado Cash and, and all Ethereum smart contracts, they are not stored on centralized servers and, and controlled by corporations or, or, or people. They, they are directly deployed as code to the Ethereum blockchain. And, and Tornado Cash especially is, is code that can never be removed. That's the crazy thing about some of these smart contract codes. It's like once you deploy them, they exist there forever. And even if you take down the Tornado Cash website. Sure, that's easy to do. You find the Tornado Cash hosting company, say you, you can't host this material. But that application still exists on the Ethereum blockchain. And if you are a savvy Ethereum user, um, you can interact directly with the Tornado Cash smart contract and hide your money without going through any sort of web front end. So this is just the next escalation and what I think is going to turn into a, a absolutely enormous battle here between the world governments and, and crypto. Um, th- th- this is, I-, I think this is terrible, right? Because we, we've, we've effectively, I-, I think this is censoring speech, right? You, you, you are basically censoring somebody who wrote an application, an application that doesn't necessarily have to be used by criminals, it's it, it, it's it's sort of like um, sort of like arresting the guy who, you know, created the the telephone because people do drug deals over the telephone. Um, I suspect this is going to get overturned in court someday, but probably probably going to be a long uh, three four year battle, and, and and you know who knows what happens by the time that uh, that finally comes around, but. But, but what does this all mean for you as an investor? Well, if you're investing in Ethereum right now, um, this is something you need to be aware of and you, you need to kind of focus your attention on. Uh, you, you should be a little bit concerned in spite of all of the hype that 
people, you know, including myself, have been throwing your way about the Ethereum merge and how this is going to be super bullish for price because um, an all-out government war on crypto is, is, is not going to make number go up in the short run. And I think anybody who tells you that is delusional. So the more of a risk this becomes, uh, the more prudent you have to be with how uh, you're deciding to allocate uh, your money. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Hey guys, Adam Ray here from What the Heck is Crypto, your favorite crypto podcast. Look, there's a lot going on in the world. Omicron, monkeypox, traffic. How well do you take care of yourself? Huh? How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? Well, that's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them the same way? We need to care for our minds because it affects how we experience our life. It's important to invest the time and care into keeping your mind and your well-being as healthy as possible. And there are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, okay? Uh, exercise, jogging, that's the same thing. Eating healthy, being healthy, that's the same thing. Uh, learning a new language, taking power naps, doing push-ups, doing sit-ups, doing push-sit-ups. There's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. I have used BetterHelp in my life. Uh, it has been a game changer, okay? It's uh, one of those things that you hear about. You're like, that's not for me. It's scary. It's intimidating. And then you join and you get set up. They have video therapy, phone uh, therapy, even live chat therapy sessions if you don't want anyone to see you, which is what I started with. And that was dope. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, which is huge. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. I'm telling you, this is the move. If you're having any sort of doubts in your life and you need somebody to talk to, which we all do because nobody gets through this crazy adventure called life without a little help, without a little boost, we all need it. So go get it. Right now, our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash crypto. That's betterhelp.com slash crypto. Go sign up, start living a better life because you deserve it. I'm putting 40 bucks on Brett Favre. He's not even playing anymore, you dum-dum. Fine, then I'm putting 9,000 bucks on the Seahawks. That's not a smart bet, but I'm one of the Seahawks. Too soon. Have you guys heard about DraftKings Marketplace? You probably have, because it's the place to snag the latest digital collectibles across sports, entertainment, and culture. DraftKings has released their first ever NFT fantasy game, Rainmakers Football. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can collect the hottest player card NFTs while playing free for millions in prizes. What do we love? Prizes. How many do we love of them? Millions. Well, right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. But how do we play? Great question, Dad. Playing is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. You can craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for your touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. You want to build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes? I know you do. So, download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app right now. Did you do it? Okay. And sign up with the promo code THEHECK. Okay? Promo code THEHECK. Click the Rainmakers title and opt in to get your first full roster starter pack for free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football, baby. So remember, download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up. Use the promo code THEHECK and build, play, win now. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. 
Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. That leads us into our next story, probably our most important story of the day. This is a little expert uh, excerpt here from timestabloid.com. Um, Vitalik Buterin is ready to burn validators' stakes via social consensus if they tolerate censorship. Uh, the co-founder of Ethereum has publicly shown that he considers the underway censorship as an attack on the Ethereum network. He said he's ready to burn stakes of validators such as Coinbase, Lido Finance, and Kraken via social consensus if they decide to comply with regulators and censor at the protocol level. Um, so let me break down what the heck we're talking about here, right? So Vitalik, for those of you who don't know, uh, founder of Ethereum, if, you know, essentially the loudest and, and, and most influential voice uh, in Ethereum. And in our last story, we talked about how the government had sanctioned the Tornado Cash uh, smart contract. It was basically blocking anybody who interacted with it, right? It's one thing to block a wallet address that is interacting with the Tornado Cash um, smart contract. What has been a big discussion, though, in the Ethereum community lately is the idea that certain entities who have to answer to the U.S. government, such as Coinbase, uh, you know, exchanges like Coinbase and, and Kraken, and, and even like publicly doxed sort of protocols like, like Lido. Lido is the largest ETH staking uh, protocol that exists um, on chain. The concern now is that the censorship is going to move from the government blocking wallets that interact with Tornado Cash to the government forcing block producers to not, if to, if to effectively ignore blocks on the Ethereum blockchain that even contain Tornado Cash transactions. And this is, this is like a, this is an enormous deal, right? Like this is, this is finally at long last the, the government coming to the door of crypto and, and really applying some, some real pressure. So, so, so when we move to proof of stake, this, this becomes like a huge issue. Like right now, blocks are put in by Ethereum miners. Ethereum is still proof of work. And Ethereum mining is, is pretty decentralized. You've got miners all over the world uh, large entities, small entities. Um, it'd be very, very difficult to force Ethereum miners to alter or censor the blocks that they are producing. When we move to proof of stake, and, and, and this is one of the, I think, valid criticisms that, that Bitcoiners have of Ethereum. Um, I don't ultimately think it will play out, but it's certainly worth uh, keeping an eye on, right? So so what Bitcoiners have said is that proof of stake is inevitably going to lead to this vast concentration of power in the network um, to a few entities. So right now we've got all of these miners who are producing blocks, but proof of stake is a little bit different. So we, we've talked about how you can take your Ethereum and you can stake it and earn an interest rate on it. Uh, the Ethereum proof of stake network is going to pay you in 
free Ethereum's for basically validating blocks. That's that's how proof of stake works. Now, the vast majority of people do not have the technical expertise to set up and host a validator node and run their own they run their own ETH uh, ETH node with their their 32 ETH or they don't have the 32 ETH minimum that is required to run a node. That's that's a lot of money. It's about $64,000, right? So what happens is you get these third-party entities like Lido, like Coinbase, um, and basically any exchange. And Coinbase, for example, runs all of their own uh, validator nodes for you. And you can stake one ETH in them, you can stake 10 ETH in them, you can stake 1,000 ETH in them. And you just deposit your ETH there, Coinbase runs the node, uh, they pay you your staking fee minus a cut that they take. Uh, they're happy because they're making this fee on all of this ETH. And, and you're happy because you're making a nice return on your staked ETH. And you don't have to go through the hassle of setting up and, and validating, uh, setting up and maintaining uh, a node. But what happens is because this process is so convenient and it's so accommodative to anybody who owns any amount of ETH, you start getting these entities, uh, they, they start swallowing up all of the Ethereum. Like, why would you sit with five ETH in your wallet when you can just deposit it on Coinbase and give it to them to stake and, and, and earn interest on it, right? So already Coinbase and Lido especially, Lido is, is a, like, like, like I said earlier, Lido is a, a staking protocol um, like a shared staking protocol that's built on the Ethereum blockchain itself. And it allows anybody to stake any amount of ETH with uh, the Lido protocol and, and not have to worry about uh, running validators. Um, same, same kind of thing you get uh, with Coinbase. Now, now Lido has already soaked up a, like a massive amount of, of, of all of the staked ETH. I, I, I think the last I checked, it was you know, something around like 20 or, or, or 30% or some very large number of all the ETH that has been staked, which is one entity, right? And Coinbase, Kraken, FTX, any of these exchanges that exist in the US, you can kind of consider them all to be one entity because they're all US entities that are beholden to US like law, US banking law, all, all of the laws of the United States, right? So even though there may be a lot of big names controlling all these staked ETH, when, when, when push comes to shove, what you end up is a situation where there are a few entities that control the staked ETH validators that are all beholden to the government. And the big fear right now in the Ethereum community is that the government is going to say, hey, you guys are not allowed to validate any block that contains tornado cash transaction. And, and, and this would be the ultimate shot across the bow because this, this is indeed censorship, right? And the hardcore people in ETH, I think, and not even hardcore people, like just anybody who believe in this industry and its whole reason for existence is like, no, this, this absolutely cannot happen. Like the moment we let the government tell Ethereum effectively like what blocks can and can't be produced, we, we've sort of lost the entire plot. Like, why are we even doing this anymore? So this has been a hot topic. And in this article here, um, Vitalik said, 
he was advocating for burning the stakes of these validators. So ETH 2.0, proof of stake ETH, has a mechanism built into it called slashing. And that this is effectively how the network is secured, right? When you run an ETH validator and collect your 5, 8, 10% a year, whatever it ends up being, you are effectively putting up a bond of 32 ETH. Anytime that you attack the network, anytime you do something that the network considers to be censoring behavior, any sort of malicious, nefarious behavior, the network has the ability to slash part of or all of your stake, right? So if you attack the network um, with your node and the, the network decides that, that that is in fact what you did, you could lose all 32 of your ETH. It could be totally gone, right? And, and this, this exists so that validators have skin in the game. They have something to lose if they act poorly. But this is crazy when scaled up to the level of Coinbase because Coinbase probably runs thousands of validators and they're running these validators for customers, like customers who've deposited their, their funds with them, right? So in the, the absolute nuclear scenario here, proof of stake goes through, the merge goes through, the government tells Coinbase, hey, Coinbase, you can't process any blocks that contain these tornado, tornado cash transactions because that's, that's what we just did here with these sanctions. Um, you're, you're, you're not allowed to do this. And you are beholden to US law. You are a publicly traded company. Um, do, do as we say, or you, you, you're going to jail. Coinbase, in that scenario, would likely buckle and they would, they, they would not process those blocks. They would engage in censorship. But if what Vitalik is saying here comes to, comes to be, you would then see the Ethereum network start slashing, start basically nuking completely Coinbase's validators. And in a completely nuclear scenario, nuke Coinbase's entire stake. Billions of dollars of, of customer funds just reduced to rubble, gone. And, and, and this would obviously cause in, insane amounts of chaos. It would cause chaos on the network. It would cause chaos... Um, and Coinbase itself, I, I don't even know how the company would, <laughs> would, would go on after lighting billions of dollars of consumer funds uh, on fire. It would likely spur a, a lot of uh, regulatory backlash because there'd be a perception that ETH was destroying consumer funds. And the Ethereans would say that, like, no, Coinbase is the one destroying these funds because they chose to attack the network. I mean, this stuff could go absolutely haywire if we go down this path. I don't think it's likely to go that nuclear. I don't think Ethereum will tolerate censorship ultimately. I, I, I do believe in the ethos of ETH, but I also believe that if the government does tell these exchanges they can't process these blocks, that the exchanges will likely bow out. But I think what they will do Instead of, um, instead of validating and, and collecting the rewards and threatening getting slashed, I, I, I think they will simply opt out of, uh, of the staking entirely. But this is still going to be a bad experience for customers, right? So if, if, if Coinbase is put between a rock and a hard place and the government says, hey, you're not allowed to validate these transactions, um, and Ethereum says, Coinbase, if you do that, we're going to slash all your money, 
rough spot to be in for Coinbase. Um, and, and even opting out doesn't help them because what's going to end up happening is they're still going to have all of their staked ETH. And, and one thing to know about staked ETH is that it cannot be unstaked until another update is rolled out on the Ethereum network after the merge. So you may have to wait six months, 12 months if you have staked ETH to pull your ETH out. So even in this scenario, which I think is probably the best case scenario, um, assuming the government does force this, the best case scenario is the government does not actually force people to censor blocks. But given that the government may force these entities to censor blocks, the best case scenario is that Coinbase has to basically lock up all of their consumer funds for six to 12 months, give them no liquidity and pay them none of the interest that they were initially promised in the first place. Because if Coinbase isn't uh, actively validating blocks, they don't get any of the ETH rewards and those rewards are not passed on uh, to customers. So yeah, big things happening here that you as an investor need to be aware of, not just an Ethereum investor, but just anybody who cares about or, or pays, into, uh, pays attention to crypto uh, at all. This, this, this is a huge deal. This, this could be a major, major crossroads up ahead uh, for crypto. And, and, and I, I do advise a, a lot of caution for, for people getting involved uh, in the market right now. You, you, you not only have this particular uh, censorship backdrop, but we, we've also got a, a difficult macro situation uh, in front of us as, as well. There's, there's no guarantees that we won't see uh, new lows on the stock market in coming months. And, and new lows on the stock market plus a government attack uh, on Ethereum, you know, that, that could bring us down to, down to $400 Ethereum, which is, 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 is quite a drop from here. Um, the other side of the coin is I, I, I do think that a long time in the future, we, we, we are going to get out of this and Ethereum will be a thing. And, and uh, it, it's, just, it's just true in life that there, there is no reward without, without risk. And it's, it's not easy to make money. So just understand what you're getting into, uh, understand what the risks are here. And if this sounds like a little bit too much for you, but you still want exposure to crypto, then you know Bitcoin is 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 going to be your your guy because Bitcoin is not currently under attack for uh, for uh, for these these privacy reasons. Uh, partially because you you can't build tornado cash on on Bitcoin, so you know the Ethereum community will say, well, yeah, Bitcoiners aren't being attacked because the the coin doesn't do anything useful. And it doesn't do anything useful that scares the government. So that's actually a negative for Bitcoin. I, I still think you should own both. I, I think that Bitcoin is probably going to give you lower returns in the long run, but it, it is going to uh, provide you with a, a lot more margin of safety as an investor. And, and this asset class is volatile enough <laughs> as it is, even with the quote unquote safe coins like Bitcoin. So, so maybe you're cool with that. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up all the news for this week. Uh, I know that was a little, uh, little denser than we usually get here because uh, Adam's not cracking his uh, his funny jokes in between, in between my rants. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, you guys found this uh, a useful and informative episode, and I uh, look forward to seeing you back next week uh, with Adam here with me. Uh, until then, have a good week, everyone. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.